0: Ferrari is finally back out of hibernation as a force to be reckoned with in Formula One in 2022, running at the top of the Constructors and Drivers' Championship. We've been here before watching Ferrari Unleashed after a dormant period in F1, and the last time was in 2000 after not taking a Drivers' Championship in 21 years as Michael Schumacher's run to glory began. With 16 Constructors titles making them the most dominant force in the history of Formula 1, it's easy to forget that Ferrari had a lot of long runs without success. And to go through their big comeback in 2000, we have to rewind all the way back to 1979. In the previous season in 1978, Lotus had unveiled their revolutionary ground effect Colin Chapman was moving into the 79th season with nothing but smiles on his face. This meant that given the dominance of ground effect to this particular aerodynamic philosophy. This put Ferrari though on a massive back foot given that their ground effect design had been made difficult around their flat V12 design. However, luckily for them, their V12 was by far and away the most powerful engine on the grid and with Jody Schechter joining Gilles Villeneuve that season, they had everything they needed to overcome their ground effect deficiencies. That year, both Gilles Villeneuve and Jody Schechter took three wins each. But in reality, the winner for Ferrari that season was reliability. Throughout the entire 79 season, Ferrari only had one mechanical DNF, which back in the late 70s and early 80s was absolutely astounding. If we think about this in 2022 context you can see how reliability can put you so far ahead of your title rivals as we see the rb18 failing twice in just three races however moving into the 1980s ground effect and turbos would become the talking point of the day and were two areas where ferrari would start to slip back as ferrari switched to a v6 turbo as the rest of the grid essentially had, they found more and more reliability issues with the car. However, finally they had caught up with the ground effect design and then with Harvey Postlewaite entering the team in 1982 to completely redesign the V6 engine, it seemed like Ferrari would be back on top once again. With the 126 C2 Ferrari in 1982, it seemed they had overcome these challenges with ground effect and created a reliable and powerful V6 engine with Harvey Postlewaite creating the engine from the ground up once again to put Ferrari back to the top. In 1982 they did take the Constructors' Championship, however due to some unforeseen and tragic circumstances they were out of reach of the Drivers' Championship. Canadian racing driver Gilles Villeneuve is critically ill in hospital after a 170 miles an hour crash during practice for tomorrow's Belgian Grand Prix at Solda. Villeneuve, who's 30, is among the world's top drivers. Villeneuve's spectacular style of driving made him a favourite with crowds. Although never world champion, he won six Grand Prix races. This was brought about by the tragic death of Gilles Villeneuve and a huge accident at the belgium grand prix of 1982 where his car was absolutely destroyed unfortunately later that day gilles villeneuve would be declared dead to add to this run of poor fortune didier peroni was also in a massive crash later that year at the german grand prix where he sustained injuries that caused him to decide it was time to retire from formula one completely In 1983, they introduced their 126C2B, a B-spec of their original 1982 design. However, it was also the year where ground effect was essentially banned. Given that the FIA brought in a mandatory flat-bottom design, this played into the hands of Ferrari. Harvey Postelway decided that it would be time to bring in a radical and oversized rear wing and thankfully, this incredible design returned 50% of the downforce that the team had lost due to the banning of ground effect. This year saw René Arnoux and Patrick Tambay take the seats of this Ferrari. Each of the drivers took four wins throughout the season, but once again it was reliability would stop Ferrari from taking the drivers' championship, even though they had taken the constructors' championship in 1983. From 1984 until 1988, Ferrari would simply fall further and further behind as Honda, Porsche and BMW easily beat Ferrari in terms of power with the V6 turbos, but even more so in terms of reliability, an area where Ferrari in this early V6 era failed miserably. Williams and McLaren dominated this four years and Ferrari hoped that John Barnard joining from McLaren and the turbo ban that took place at the end of 1988 would bring them back to their championship winning ways for the 89th season. In 1989 Ferrari introduced their 640 car with John Barnard completely redesigning the car around an all new V12 naturally aspirated engine which Ferrari hoped would bring them back to where they were in the 70s as they were astoundingly good at creating V12 engines. John Barnard had joined the team in 1986 and was the man behind McLaren's success in the years leading up to the 89th season. However, the new V12 that Ferrari had created was 25 horsepower roughly down on power compared to its competitors on the grid. Thankfully though, Barnard brought in an amazing and revolutionary new semi-automatic paddle shift design. This made the team seem almost futuristic with their paddle shift gearbox. Something that would become the mainstay of Formula 1 in the 1990s and is still something you see on every Formula 1 car today. However, while this gearbox was revolutionary, the car design was aerodynamically sound and even though it was 25 horsepower down on power, the V12 was still able to keep up, it was once again reliability that would hinder their 89th season. Reliability left them in third place in the Constructors' Championship, with Gerhard Berger and Nigel Mansell taking three wins each. However, the main issue was down to the fact that this revolutionary new paddle shift system was unreliable throughout the season. They had issues with power failures to the paddle shift. However, sponsor Magneti Marelli figured out a fix and worked out that the battery was not pushing enough power to the gearbox for the entirety of the race. And for the 1990 season, they were sure that this would be their year. In 1990, Prost replaced Gerhard Berger, joining alongside Mansell. However, in a deathly blow to the Ferrari team, technical chief John Barnard left for the Benetton team, where a young Michael Schumacher had jumped into the car that year though they were still left with their 640 design becoming the 641 for the 1990 season and they had an incredibly competitive car and finished second in the constructors championship and were so close to first until Senna and Prost's infamous collision at the Japanese Grand Prix which took both the drivers and constructors championships away from the Ferrari team in 1991 a lacy replaced mantle who went to williams yet again ferrari had an incredibly strong car with their 642 that would become the 643 as they replaced the chassis mid-season the car was strong but unfortunately williams and mclaren got ahead of the ferrari team by using something we're all aware of today which was technical computing data this allowed them to figure out their issues and Get their setups correctly for each track much faster than ferrari this should have been an area where ferrari with their massive amounts of funding should have been able to take the lead however their messy management structure and infighting left them once again on the back foot and put them third in the championship by the end of the season Prost left saying a truck would have been easier to drive which showed how far their ferrari car had fallen The F92A was introduced for the 1992 season with a double flat floor design being introduced that Ferrari thought would give them a massive edge over the rest of the grid. It turns out that this was correct but unfortunately their new power plant was 50 horsepower down on the next teams up the grid. Ferrari though being Ferrari was unwilling to blame their power plant and thus blamed the double flat floor design incorrectly. That year, Williams and Mansell would go on to claim the championship, leaving Ferrari fourth in the Constructors' Tournament, behind even Benetton in third. This was mainly down to the active suspension that Williams had pioneered and perfected, and that Ferrari had gotten so wrong, leaving them well behind the Williams FW14B. Another reason for this was the sheer amount of retirements for Ferrari that year, showing once again that this team just could not get on top of reliability. And even in 1993, as they brought in the F93A, this completely new redesigned car left them their third winless season in a row. In 1994, the Ferrari team brought its 412 to the grid a simple and completely redesigned car that would start to put Ferrari back on the road to success. Even though they only finished third that year, Gerhard Berger managed to whip up a win at the German Grand Prix, ending a nearly four-year winless streak for the Ferrari team and giving them some hope that finally they were on the road to recovery. This was also the year where we saw Ayrton Senna's tragic death at the MLS circuit. And it was one for the FIA, Formula One and fans to begin clamoring for regulation changes around safety. As we moved into the 1995 season, the 412 Type 2 or T2 was introduced and this brought some changes to the chassis as the major regulations around safety were updated throughout the grid at Formula One. With side impact structures coming in for the first time in Formula 1's history. However, once again Ferrari's progress would be hindered as they ended third in the Constructors Championship due to the fact that Renault's revolutionary V10 design was wiping the face with the rest of the grid, and reliability once again reared its ugly head. As Ferrari moved into 1996, they had finally gotten a 3 litre V10 into the back of their car, which made them as competitive as possible and put them back as front runners. Although, in that season, Williams FW18 was clearly the dominant car of the year and left Ferrari in second as Damon Hill took the championship. John Barnard had come back to the Ferrari team and was blaming their low-nose philosophy as to why they were falling back. However, it wasn't just John Barnard joining the team that would give the Ferrari outfit a reason to look forward to the years ahead. There was also the fact that they had Shell back on side for the first time since the 70s and a young Michael Schumacher was putting in legendary performances, leaving them second in the championship that year by 1998 the car had changed very little as Ferrari went through a very much an understanding phase and the only real change we saw to the car were the X-Wings that were then banned in Spain and they ran a higher nose to try and figure out how they could make their 99 car a car to be reckoned with. A final return to form was on the cards for Ferrari as they moved in to the 1999 season as their F399 although identical to the F300 was finally understood by the Ferrari team and with some slight modifications such as a new front wing, slimmed side pods and a brand new exhaust that would help with reliability Ferrari would go on to take their first constructors title since 1983. However 20 years on they were still pushing for their drivers championship and would have won it if it wasn't for the fact that Schumacher ended up with a broken leg, and that the MP414 from McLaren was so pacey that they were able to stay on par with Ferrari throughout, given Hakkinen his first driver's championship. Everything was looking good though, and in 2000, with Ross Braun as the new technical director and Schumacher at the wheel, they would go on to just need one last ingredient To start a dominant run of wins and that ingredient was the Bridgestone tyre put them ahead of everyone else and gave them a run of absolute dominance for five seasons from 2000 to 2004 making Michael Schumacher at the time statistically the best driver in Formula 1 history